Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful biblically based messages live down the internet. This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. We are streaming live down the internet from London. This show is dedicated to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. On tonight's show, we will discuss the question, what does it mean to have religious liberty? We will be studying what the Bible teaches. Our guest speaker is based in Maryland in the United States of America. More about our guest after we've had some music. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. At the heart's portal he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Calling, calling, oh sinner. 
does it mean to have religious liberty? We will discuss this subject tonight with Elder Ray DiCardo. Have a pen and paper ready to write down some notes. Let's now call Elder DiCardo and see if he's available. Hello. Hello, good evening. Elder Ricardo, you are live on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. How are you this evening? Fine, thank you, John. I'm doing well. Praise the Lord. Glad to hear so. Well, tonight, Elder Ricardo, we will be discussing these questions together. What is religion? What is liberty? Why is religious liberty important? Who has historically upheld religious liberty? And why does religious liberty need to be upheld today? So, Elder DiCarlo, before we start our discussion this evening, shall we have a word of prayer together? Mm. Our Father in heaven, we again thank you for the privilege and the blessings that we have to come together to meditate on your word. Please bless us now. May your angels watch over us. Grace us with your presence as we take up this vital topic We ask that through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we may have a deeper understanding of really what it means to be free in Christ. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Elder DiCardo, what is religion? Well, you know, if you look in a dictionary, and really they're all fundamentally the same when it comes down to the issue of what is religion. I mean, there might be slight variations in terms of how you express it, but basically it is a belief in and worship of a supernatural power or powers. That is, you know, referring to God in that that sense. Now, we're looking at religion in a general um, uh, or generic way, not, not in a very specific way in terms of a denomination. We're looking at religion as a whole. And so it really relegates itself down to the issue of one's conscience, or at least a matter of conscience. So, so when you're looking at religion, it's a there's a uh, a system of beliefs that one might have regarding a a deity. Yes, and then of course, based on those, you you uh, your system of beliefs that relegates the to the issue of worship. In other words, how you are going to approach the the uh, worship of the supreme being so religion um as i stated before is a belief in a worship of a supernatural power but as i said before this is a, an issue that that uh, really goes down to the heart of one's conscience now the reason i bring that up is what? because when you're dealing with the conscience this is a very um, 
very interesting issue in relation to both the church and the state, because the conscience is the domain of God. Yes, um, and, and, uh, and, and so this is a very personal thing. When we talk about religion, um, we're not talking about denominationalism. We're not talking about um, um, a, 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 um, a systematic uh, theology in terms of, an, uh, um, uh, uh, a, a, you know, like certain fundamental beliefs that you might have, you know, you might have. Really, it comes down to one's uh, convictions and, and the, the conscience that that individual has. Right. So this is between you the individual, and the supreme being that you worship. And so this is why when you look at this issue of the definition of religion, um, this is a very intriguing concept when it comes to the issue of church and state, because neither the church nor the state um, was ever given any dominion or the right to interfere yes, with right. one's religious belief. Uh, and so that has to do with one's conscience. Yes. Yes. And um, I would also like to share this um, from the book of James, um, Elder Ricardo, mm. chapter 1, yeah. verse 27. Because um, Elder Ricardo has first pointed us to us as individuals that it's a matter for us to decide and um, I just would like to share what the Bible has to state on this as well, in the eyes of God, what pure religion is, you see. And um, it says here, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And so here the Bible defines what pure religion is to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And I just thought to share, to add to what you have said, Elder Ricardo, that there are two principles involved in this text. A practical action toward those who have a need and a lifestyle that keeps them clean and pure from the world. And I just thought to add that in addition to um, what you've shared because these things are personal, aren't they, Elder Ricardo? They are, and it's very interesting the text you have quoted, because when you're looking very carefully here, yes. this is very interesting passage that confirms what I've just stated. Let me yes. explain to our listeners. Pure religion and undefiled before God. Now, notice it's not before the state, it's not before the church. Yes. In other words, when you look at the concept of religion or one's faith in God— that is relegated to you, between you and God, not yes. you and the church or you and the state. They have no dominion regarding how one exercises their conscience in relation to God. That's a personal matter. Yes. So it's very fascinating here how James articulates the, the, uh, the very core essence of how God the Father views and understands what he embraces as the only acceptable religion. 
And of course, he defines pure religion. It's undefiled before God. And then he and then he clarifies what that means. What does it mean to be pure? And what does it mean to be undefiled? He says to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. There's the last six commandments. Yes. Honor your neighbor as your, uh, your yes. as yourself, and then keep yourself unspotted from the world. And you look at that that concept there, the purity, holiness. And of course, you know, it, 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 it was Paul said, if you're a friend, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. And so you're looking very clearly here that when you're unspotted from the world, you're, that means you're a friend of God. That means yes. there, there's the first four commandments. So you have the summation of what pure religion is. It's defined very clearly in a principle that he's laid out. And that's defined by the Ten Commandments themselves. But notice again, we go back to this real core issue. It's before God. Yeah. It's not before the state nor the church. Yes, yes. And I hope that this is clear to our listeners, that this is a matter between the individual and God, not between yourself and your husband or wife or family or children. This is a matter between the individual conscience and God. Yeah, that that's, needs to be clear to us. And so, I don't know if you've got any other points on that, Elder Ricardo, or shall we move on to the next? Well, you know what it is. You know, when you're yes. looking at the questions you were asking in relation to the uh, subject that we're looking at, I mean, obviously, each one links up to the other. And, yes. and when we're dealing with the issue of religion and regarding the one's conscience, I mean, that spills over to the issue of what is liberty. I mean, yes. let's let's be frank about that because how can one be free? If one's conscience is enslaved, Amen. and so you you have a a and I really do appreciate the way in which these questions have been posed because I hope our listeners understand that the, these aren't just random questions; these are questions that uh, are organized in such a way to uh, really prick the conscience, to open the mind and the heart, to understand the the importance of this subject and the seriousness of the issue we're dealing with. Um, Of course, we'll get into that later on in the questions that you're asking, but I think that I'm going to touch up a little bit more on the matter of conscience and the inalienable rights and the issue of toleration. We're going to deal with that as well. Yes, yes. Okay, Aldo DiCardo, well, as you said, we're moving on now to what is liberty? Well, again, and and this is, uh, you know, I talked about how it's being free, you know, it's a state of being where you're free within society from, you know, from being oppressed. Yes. Uh, now, now, uh, you know, let's be, and what I mean by that is we're talking about regarding way, uh, uh, one's way of life, behavior, speech, even religious or political views. In other words, when we look at the concept of, of liberty, it's the act of being free, free in one way, uh, in one's way of life, um, uh, behavior, you know, and, and, and so forth. And so, Again, liberty, true liberty, is the concept where um, we are free to exercise not only the physical aspects of our lives um, and not only verbally, but really the real crux of being free, as I mentioned a little earlier, is being free in conscience. You know, you can have. Uh, you know, we'll be t- the opposite of liberty is slavery. Yes. And so when you look at the concept of slavery, a person may be physically, quote, free, but mentally, spiritually enslaved. Yes, uh, where another person may be physically enslaved, but uh, is spiritually 
um, and mentally uh, exercising freedom, liberty. And so there's, it all depends on the nature of that, of that, of that uh, enslavement. Usually when we look at the concept of slavery, we think of slavery in the physical aspect yes. of, you know, physically restraining someone's mobility um, and freedoms regarding where they can go, how they can go about doing their business, etc. Yes. But we see liberty as Christians far more, far greater than, than a physical restraint upon one's behavior. We look at, at, at the concept of, of, uh, of liberty of the whole person, physical, mental, and moral, or we call it spiritual. So there, there, is, a, there is a freedom, a liberty, the, uh, uh, where, where a person can, can truly exercise the, their God-given rights. And this is something that most people, and even the church, yes. churches of the world and governments of the world, clearly do not understand. Um, and, you know, so if, if you are, um, if you are, um, free in the truest sense, then you're free, not just physically, uh, but spiritually as well. And so when you're looking at the concept of liberty, the Bible makes it ever so clear where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what there's liberty. The Bible says, this is what Paul indicates very clearly, um, and so you're looking at the the concept that this, by the way, where I'm I'm referring to, that's in Second um, Corinthians three seventeen. Yes. He says, "Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty." Notice that God in nowhere do you find in the Holy Scriptures where God ever restrains man's uh, uh, liberty. Yes. He, he he you know people say, "Well, the Ten Commandments are restrictive." No, the Ten Commandments are not restrictive. You've got to understand these are ten promises God made that if you'll trust in him, he'll keep you from doing these very things that are highly offensive to the Almighty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so see, instead of looking at the negative, you need to see the positive. This is what God's going to do for, me, if, do for you, if you, tr- if you accept him as your Lord and Savior. So God does not restrain one's freedom, but Satan does. Yes. Satan is the author of 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 restraining one's freedom and i'm going to show you that go to revelation chapter 12 i'm going to show you this now this is most people don't realize this when you're looking at the 12th chapter of revelation now this chapter for our listening audience is is the history of the christian church from its inception to the very end of time up to the second coming of christ but what's fascinating here is you find a controversy between the dragon and the woman. Now, this is what's fa- what's interesting is about the the woman. The woman doesn't change. She's the same in the beginning, in the middle, in the end. Yes. That's why at the end of the chapter in verse seventeen, it's called the remnant church. A remnant is the same as the beginning. It just happens to be the end. So God, this is the history of the true church, and it's the history of those who have remained faithful and, and loyal to God throughout. Um, um, throughout the history of the last 2,000 years. And what he's dealing with here is, is, is really the issue of the controversy of freedom. The, this is what it's all about. God wants us to be free. Remember yes. what the Bible said? We just read, where the Spirit of the Lord, there's liberty. So it, it, God is the author of freedom. But it's interesting here, when you look at the 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 Satan or you know the dragon, who is Satan in verse 9, he makes it very clear it's Satan. 
If you look at this very clearly, he starts off as a dragon, then he turns, he transforms into a serpent, yes. then he comes back into as a dragon again. So he he changes his nature of operation. In other words, Satan knows that in order to um, get God's people to go astray, he can't use simply one tactic. He has to modify accordingly. Yes. So he starts off as a dragon, and the dragon is a symbol of persecution. A serpent, on the other hand, is a symbol of deception. But if you look at the end, the very last part, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself when you look at the, the, the fifth question, but nonetheless, yes. look at the verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, was angry, went to make war with the remnant of her seed who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Notice he transforms himself. He goes from a dragon, then from a serpent, then back to the dragon. So what is his last tactic just before Jesus returns? It's yes. not the means of deception, although that will be included. Don't misunderstand me. The main thrust will be an act of oppression. Yes. And the issue has to do with restricting God's people of their freedoms, their liberties. Uh, and again, you can go to Revelation chapter 13, and you can look very clearly how in Revelation 13, um, 15, listen to what he says here. And this yes. is again, this is um, Satan instigating the political powers of the world, primarily here in this case, the United States. Uh, the government, the corrupt leaders of the land. And he says, and he had power to give life into the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause. That means to force and compel against one's will. Yes. Well, let me ask you something. What happened to your liberty? There is no liberty when you're being forced to do something against your will. So he oh, says man. the cause is that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So that's the dragon. That's the spirit of Satan. And Satan is always compelling people, making people, forcing people in one form or fashion to comply to his wishes. Yeah. And so when you look at what liberty is, it's a state of being where you are free, free, not just physically, but more importantly, morally, spiritually. This is the real crux of what freedom, liberty is all about. And again, I, I, I go back to the issue of of conscious. Now, yes. I do want to pick up on an issue that is very vital. Most people do not comprehend this principle, even among the Christians of today. And that's the difference between liberty and toleration. Yes, right. Most people think that we have religious toleration. Uh, in other words, that's the principle that the Bible advocates, and that's the principle that Christians should, should uphold. Uh, to which I respond by saying, no, the Bible, nor does the uh, the Bible teach such a doctrine at, at, as advocating from God, nor should we defend such a position. Toleration implies very clearly that, that you are being uh, only permitted to exercise one's belief um, because the government is simply allowing it to take place. Yes, so, right. in other words, the government is not recognizing your inalienable rights. They are simply saying, we uh, are the author of your rights. In other words, your rights derive themselves not from God, but from the state. And therefore, we will tolerate, we will allow you 
to have freedom of worship. We will allow you to, to do that. Well, that implies if they allow us the right to be free, then there can come a point in time where they no longer wished us to, uh, yes. uh, to have that freedom. So yes. they won't yes. allow us that freedom. So it's toleration. Well, like I say, the Bible, nor the spirit, of, uh, nor the nor, nor the uh, the Constitution and the spirit of America. You know, when you look at the issue of the Bill of Rights and so forth, you don't find anywhere that issue of toleration. Yes. You do find the issue of liberty. Now, having said that, I want to take it another step forward. When you're dealing with the issue of liberty, there is <clears throat> three things we'd have to look at when we're looking at liberty. There is civil liberty religious liberty, then there's the issue that most people, again, completely don't understand, and that's liberty of conscience. Now, when you deal with the issue of liberty of conscience, most people seem to think that that has to do with a religious issue. In other words, the only time in which you exercise your conscience is regarding a religious matter, to which I respond by saying, no, that's not true. Uh, now, it is true that it predominantly does uh, affect the, the religious opinions uh, that one may have. However, when we're dealing with liberty of conscience, it's the idea of being free to exercise that conscience, re- whether that liberty is civil or religious. Right. And, uh, and so you have to understand that liberty of conscience is 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 not confined to religious matters liberty of conscience is the uh, the idea the concept of being free in one's conscience to exercise their convictions regardless uh, if it's a religious matter or not right. now there's also another issue, and, and again, people completely misconstrue the concept of liberty of conscience. They assume that the only time in which you can exercise your conscience regarding the nature of liberty is when your position is correct. In other words, as long as your position is true, then you have the right to exercise your conscience regarding that matter. Again, wow. to which I will respond by saying this is incorrect. The, 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 uh, you ha- do not understand the true concept of liberty of conscience until you understand the enable rights in which God bestowed upon mankind. When God created us, he created us free, not partially free, uh, but all uh, to be free in every aspect of our life, physical, mental, and moral along the right. way. However, that concept of freedom, because we're free moral agents, God gave us the, one of the, the most precious gifts you can imagine. The idea of being free to exercise our conscience, even if we are wrong. Yes, right. In other words, if you look at the concept of liberty, liberty isn't relegated to the issue of whether you're right. Liberty is relegated to the issue of you exercising your conscience, even if you are wrong in the position that you hold. And you say, well, where is that a biblical principle? Where do you find such an idea in the Bible? And I, to which I will, will tell the people, you go to Romans chapter 14 and study very carefully that entire chapter. Now, I want to go over to Romans 14 very quickly, and or I'm going to read just a few verses, not a lot, but just a few, just to show that people understand what okay. we're dealing with here, right. because you have to understand Romans 14. Romans 14 is dealing with two kinds of people, one who has a weak conscience, the other has a strong conscience. One, in other words, one is strongly convicted regarding a particular issue, another is more sensitive regarding another issue. And Paul talks about this, and look with me here, Romans chapter 14, verse 4. He says, who are you 
that you should judge another man's servant. Now, this is very interesting. The servant here is someone who's who's a servant, uh, and not in a physical sense, although that is primarily the issue he's dealing with here. But try to understand in the broader picture, spiritual. We are all servants of Jesus Christ. Right. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, we are no longer our own. In other words, just like in the slave markets, you have someone who purchased human flesh. They bought you. You're no longer your own. Now, again, we're not advocating the idea. We're just illustrating the point that Paul is making. He's saying, who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master, he stands or is fall. In other words, to his own master, he has to give answers to. He doesn't answer to you. Right. He answers to his master. And who are you to answer to regarding your conscience? Not to the church, not to the state, but to God. So who is the state and who is the church to sit in judgment of your conscience when that matter is dealt with, with you, between you and God? This is what Paul is saying. Right. He says, let him not, uh, he says, and let not him that eat not judge him that, that eats. For God hath received him. In other words, in the end, God will, uh, God will embrace this issue himself and decide what these things. Go over to verse 12. Look at this now. Look what he says here in verse 12. He says, so then, meaning the summation of the argument that he makes, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. In the end of the, at the end of the day, you right. don't give an account of your conscience to, 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 to the state or to the church or to anyone for that matter, but only to God. So the entire 14th chapter is about liberty. Liberty of one's conscience. And by the way, Paul even states that those who are weaker in their conscience over this issue that he's discussing are wrong. He even states that they're wrong. He tells the other brothers who are judging the weaker brothers that they are correct in their position, but wrong in their assessment of regarding the nature of their judgment of the other man's conscience. In other words, he's telling the ones, even though you are correct, you are right in your position, you are correct in your position, but you still don't have a right to judge another man's conscience. Yes. Okay. That matter lies between you and God. And so right. liberty is liberty of one's conscience. It's not toleration, and, it, and, it, and it's not an issue of whether you're right or you're wrong. This is a fatal, fatal flaw. Right. Uh, and, uh, and we must not uh, allow the enemies of the gospel to pers uh, persuade us otherwise. Yes. Let's, um, let's pause a little now, Elder Ricardo, because there was a lot— that was shared there, and I'd just like to, um, just to summarize, in a sense, mm. um, the three basic principles that you've shared is that there's civil liberty, there's religious liberty, and there's liberty of conscience, mm. in essence, and that's either way, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, that God is the one who is to, we're to only allow him to have the right to um, to uphold that for each of us as individuals, that no man is to interfere with a person, civil, religious, or, um, con sorry, with their civil liberty, with their religious liberty, or with their liberty of conscience. Right. What you have in regard to the first issue, the civil liberties, there are, like anything, even religion, for example, let's say someone has a... a, 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 a a um, a religion that they believe, and now this has been practiced throughout history, 
for yes. thousands of years. And in some circles, it uh, they 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 uh, it probably still is, I would imagine. However, there are those who used to believe that a human sacrifice was a part of their religious uh, uh, ordinance, and therefore they felt it was a matter of one's conscience regarding that. Well, that's a direct violation of of, of the word of the Lord. You can't take a human life in order yes. to justify the position that you're holding and then state that this is a matter of one's conscience. Um, you, you know, this is a violation of all aspects of uh, civil liberties as well as religious liberties because this cannot be upheld in, in that regard. So if there's a blatant violation of another man's freedoms, uh, then you cannot then claim civil religious liberties, nor can you say it's a matter of one's conscience yes. because your conscience cannot be led of God to take away a freedom of another man. Yes. Right. Uh, so this is why you get into Romans 13, and Romans 13 and 14 are really dovetail into each other because Romans 13 is talking about the individual's responsibility to civil authority. And then uh, and then he t- continues on in chapter 14, about, talks about the issue of, of one's conscience regarding the nature of one's conviction. So, so civil liberty, um, uh, like religious liberty, has a limit. In other words, you yes. can't sacrifice, like I say, you can't offer up a sacrifice of a human being in your church and say, well, that's our religious system. Well, no, sorry. It may well be that that's what you claim, but we're not going to allow that to take place in a society that lives by the rule of law uh, because it's a violation of another person's rights. So you can only exercise your your conscience regarding issues that do not violate the rights of another person. As long as you're not hurting someone, as long as you're not violating another person. Look, now I'll give you another example. So let's say a person wants to go to church on Saturday. Another person wants to go to church on Tuesday. Another person wants to go to church on Friday. That's a matter of conscience. But now here's the thing. It doesn't violate anybody else's rights. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm not taking away your freedoms. I'm not prohibiting you from going to church or or telling you that uh, you know it's mandated you have to go to church on my day. No, I'm I'm simply exercising my conscience. Now, we may disagree regarding the nature of the day in which someone goes to church and believes and believes wholeheartedly that that's the day God has set aside. But you don't have the right to strip them of their freedoms as long as their freedoms are not in, in, in curtailing uh, the freedoms of another man. They're yes. not hurting anybody. They're not violating anyone. So when we're looking at liberty, liberty is, as you stated very clearly, again, civil liberties, religious liberties, and liberty of conscience. They must be clearly, distinctly defined and understood and ultimately, the end, it's all relegated out to the issue of one's conscience. Yes. And I'm going to tell you something, as a matter of fact, if I, if I could. Uh, Romans 13, I'm going to go there just for a second. I'm going to show you something. Romans 13, okay. 5. Romans 13, 5. <clears throat> and this is where Paul talks about the conscience. Listen to what he says. Now, he's talking about civil authorities and that we should obey lawful civil authority, not unlawful. So he's talking about a civil authorities right. who enact justifiable laws um, that we should obey. Okay, now as long as they're not in violation of one's conscience, as long as they're not violating 
violating the, the, the word of God in any way, you just should obey. Even though you may not like the laws, you may not agree with them, and you may even think them to be unconstitutional. However, however, we answer to a higher law. And let me, let's, let me read to you what Paul says. Yeah, he says this in verse 5, Romans 13, 5. Wherefore, you must need to be subject, meaning subject to lawful authority. Not only for wrath, meaning not only because of the consequences of, of, of breaking those laws, because there's penalty to those laws. In other words, you, you go down and commit murder somewhere, uh, there's a penalty depending on where you live. You know, you could spend the rest of your life in prison. You may face the death penalty. I don't know. It all depends on the law. So there's always at the end of that law what we call um, – uh, you know, the law of vengeance. You know, in other words, that law is going to come back to bite you in right. the end if you break it. So he says, I, he says, so we talk about the Christians, wherefore ye must, must needs be subject, meaning to lawful authority, not only because of the consequences of breaking those laws, but also, and this is the higher law that we are governed by, also for conscience sake. So there is a law that rules us that's greater than civil law, or any other law established by the church or the state. Now, I'm not talking about the law of God. I'm talking about civil law or the laws of the ch of the church, because the laws of the church may not necessarily be in accordance with the law of God. Oh. However, there is this law is the law of conscience, and this this is the governing power that really rules us in society. It's not the laws of the land. The reason I don't steal, the reason I don't you know kill somebody, the reason I don't rape someone or et cetera, et cetera, isn't because of the laws of the land, although that's that's a part of it. Don't misunderstand me. But right. the real driving force as to why I don't steal, et cetera, is because I'm ruled by a higher law, the law that governs my conscience. Right. Okay. And so th that's what we're dealing with. Right. Okay. Well, let us move on now, Ricardo. Time is moving on. Um, but it was good for us to spend time on that um, mm. point, um, just to cover all the angles. So now then, looking at the religious aspect, why is religious liberty important? Well, again, I think that when we look at the issue, Revelation chapter 13, 12, I'm going to show you why it's important, because, again, we're dealing with the issue of one's conscience. Revelation 13, 12, it says this, speaking of the United States and the enforcement of the of the um, image of the beast and the Sunday laws, etc. He says this, and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him and causeth, there it is, that word again, forces, compels against one will, the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound is healed. Yes. So why is religious liberty important? Because it's a matter of conscience. Yes. It's a matter of preserving the inalienable rights. Look, here's the thing you, everyone has to ask themselves. Where did you derive your rights from? And let me say this to our, our English listeners. Uh, I, and especially, and I really want to stress this to my friends uh, in the, in the UK. Uh, the United States, uh, um, when it established the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution as established by our founding fathers, remember to all our listeners who, who are from the UK, please listen. They were Englishmen. 
they weren't foreigners. Yes. They were Englishmen who based their belief of freedom on English law, on the laws that were established and fought for by people like John Wycliffe and, and the Lollards and, and the nonconformists and the, and the Puritans and, and, you know, and by, by Tyndale and so many others that have gone down, the, the, the Anabaptists and so forth, who fought tenaciously and died. And your, your country held for so long yes. to these principles, for so long. And, of course, John, I'm not saying anything new to you. Regarding this, you have lectured on this multiple occasions, yes. uh, and it, it, it's one of the most fascinating stories in the history of the human race. Sadly, sadly, under George III, uh, England, for whatever reason, uh, there's multiple, I believe, multiple reasons, they capitulated the principles of, of, their, of the uh, founding fathers yes. who brought forth the great revolution of the 1640s under the Puritans and the great revolution of uh, the glorious revolution of 1688 and 89, which gave birth to the English Bill of Rights, which in return gave birth to the American Bill of Rights. Uh, yes. And so on and so on. All of that, that great legacy was capitulated really in the 18th century during the time of the American Revolution. And the American Revolution was nothing more than a continuation of the revolutions that went before. And so what were they fighting for? They were fighting for liberty, liberty of conscience. So why yes. is religious liberty so important? Because the moment you surrender religious liberty, civil liberties don't mean a thing. Yes. Remember, I told you you can be free physically, but if you're but you're enslaved mentally, spiritually, it doesn't matter. Yes. So religious liberty is the crux; it's the heart and soul. Yes. And listeners, again, and even as Elder Ricardo has pointed to us, who are in England, even now, be thankful for the liberty that we do have, mm. because. Mm. Um, as Amen. Elder Ricardo has mentioned, and as we we're, we're moving into naturally, so many people stood up and died to give us the liberty that we have today. You see, and if you think that you're restricted, then <laughs> you you wait to see what the Lord has said is yet to come. That's you see, right. and 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 for those who maybe even have fled other countries to come into <clears throat> the UK. Or even to the United States, I, we, we would, not I, we would encourage you to study the reason why you have the freedom that you have and why you've, you had to leave the countries that you came from. And this is why we're presenting this radio show, so that you can understand that the God of liberty has given you your liberty so that you can hopefully find him, you see, and find the true God. So... That's all I have to say at this time. So we've mentioned, well, Elder Nicolas mentioned briefly, um, those who who has historically upheld religious liberty. Mm. Well, again, I mentioned some of them already, but in terms of a historical reference uh, for our, uh, and a biblical reference, let me yes. just say this: in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter eleven, in verses thirty-three to forty, he gives a detailed dissertation. Not just, uh, you know, we think of uh, uh, Hebrews 11, the Hall of Fame of Faith, but it's also the Hall of Fame of Religious Liberty. You say, well, wait a minute, what do you mean? Well, if you go to verse 33 to 40, it clearly lays out how people were willing to suffer and die to preserve their faith 
meaning they did so by preserving their conscience. Yes. And so that's what that's dealing with. Then, of course, in, I mentioned in Revelation chapter 12, if you go to verse 6, for example, just to give you an example of this, Revelation 12, verse 6, yes. it says, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God, that they, meaning God's people who are faithful and true to him, preserving religious liberty, civil liberty, and as well as liberty of conscience, yes. should free, feed her there 1,203 score days. That 1,260-year period from 538 to 1798 is, the, in my opinion, the greatest historical period where people fought and died for freedom, who, who were willing, like, for example, the Waldensians, yes. the Albigensians, the Picards, the, 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 the Hussites, the Lollards, the, the, the Huguenots, um, the, the nonconformists, the, the, uh, the, the Brownists, the, um, the uh, Puritans, um, and, and we could go down the list yes. of people who uh, groups of people who stood tenaciously, and sadly, many died, many perished during the Dark Ages, the Inquisition. Yes. Uh, again, it depends on which historian you, you, you're referring to, but there's an estimation between 50 to a, maybe possibly 150 to 200 million. We don't know the real number, but it's in the tens of millions perished perished and and yes. uh, it's sad so sad that that portion of our history has forgotten uh and yes. so i would encourage our listeners go back and study wiley's history of protestantism or mola d'albigny's history of the protestant reformation in the 16th century or in the time of calvin or um uh there's another great book that deals really well with this issue of liberty of conscience yes. and relation to 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 the uh, those who stood faithful and that's great controversy yes. three quarters of the book um three quarters of the book deals with this very issue as a matter of fact there's a whole chapter on liberty of conscience yes. so so uh, there are books you can search out and get and find and and you can really saturate your mind. So that's what I would leave with our listeners. There are those you know you brought something up very important, John. And I yes. thought our listeners. I hope they caught what you were saying. Is you know, dear friends, we talk about those who stood in the past for liberty of conscience. The question is, it really isn't who stood in the past. The question is, are we by the grace of God going to stand now and in the future? Yes, um, because this is not an issue that's that's relegated only to the past. Yes, um, so we need to wake up to that reality. Yes, and you know, I just thought that I would summarize this point, sharing what Telde Ricardo shared and what I've shared in my own personal study. That really, when you look at it, the Bible teaches that Christ, through His people, is the one who has historically upheld religious liberty. Amen. See, and that God sends his people to give messages and to take up responsible positions in society so as to preserve individual freedom so that individuals can have a choice to choose who they are to worship. And I believe that I can safely say that, I, you know, you can test this yourself, listeners, and see who have been the ones who have sought to preserve liberty in this world. You know, who has sought to for individuals to be have that right, to have their God-given right preserved. And I'm, you'll see that Satan, on the other hand, he sends messengers giving warnings that people have no choice about their religion, and he places people in government in order that 
people can be enslaved. And so there's a clear contrast, you see, and you'll see this right the way throughout history, that you'll see that it's always God's people have been the ones who have sought to preserve individual freedom. Um, those that are allied to satanic powers and government, they've always been the ones that have sought to, pres- to um, restrict and to enslave peoples, you see. So <clears throat> as Elder Ricardo said, it's down to individual conscience who a person really desires to serve, you know, and it's all there. It's all there in the scripture and in history for an individual to study and to decide for themselves. Now, why does religious liberty need to be upheld today? <laughs> well, I tell you something. If the last two and a half years haven't taught us the concept of why liberty is needed today more yes. than ever, <laughs> I don't know what to say. You know, when we were struck with this unfortunate uh, uh, COVID uh, uh, situation, it really was a terrible, terrible thing. And uh, uh, in the beginning, you know, I think, I think, like myself, many were just perplexed, not sure what to make of what was going on. Yes. And uh, but when here in the United States, and I can only speak from my perspective of what I have experienced. And what I personally know, uh, I'll leave it at that. That way I don't impugn anybody else's, uh, yes. you know, uh, story. But uh, in the United States, uh, throughout the country, they they shut down all the churches. And um, um, that that and I don't believe the government has under any circumstances has the right to shut down churches. I don't care what, what the situation is. Amen. Um, and I've always believed that and I still do, but it was when I saw that particular, uh, act being committed by local government, as well as federal and state governments, I began to realize we're in big trouble because this is no longer about, uh, an, an illness. Yes. This is now restriction of one's liberty of conscience, religious liberty. And now the issue, uh, this isn't even about the vaccine. This is forget the vaccine. This is about whether or not you, you, you are going to obey the government regarding the nature of whether or not you're going to go to church. Yes. And the, the government has no jurisdiction over the church whatsoever. Amen. So why is it needs to be upheld today more than ever? I think the, in the light of the last couple of years, we need religious liberty more than ever before. And what we really need, John, is an educated yes. society regarding the nature of civil liberty, religious liberty, as well as liberty of conscience. Yes. Yes, well, Elder Ricardo, that's the very reason why we've had the show this evening, you see, and mm, by God's grace, mm. next week as well, you see, because yeah, we right. need to educate the people for them to understand clearly what their God-given rights are, you okay. see. So this is, we're going to have a break here, and then we're going to round off with some conclusions. Calling to the harvest. Come. 
was the place your call to labor seems so small and little known. It is great if God is in it, for he will not forsake his own. does it mean to have religious liberty? Elder DeCarlo, close in force, please. Well, I'd like to stress upon our listeners the importance of the three aspects that I mentioned, civil liberty, religious liberty, and liberty of conscience. Uh, and encourage our listeners to study these things out and then become personally acquainted with them. And then by the grace of God Almighty, because it can only be done by the grace of God, defend them and do all that you can to encourage others along the way regarding these things. When we lose our freedoms, don't ever think a tyrant will give them back to you. And so we must defend them in the most tenacious manner that God would, in order that God would be honored. And so we want to do things to glorify his name. And uh, I would encourage our listeners, please uh, defend the, the, the concept of freedom, liberty, whether they be civil, whether they be religious, or whether it be the matter of one's conscience. So I want to leave it there at that regard, but I would encourage you to go and, and, and do some more research on your own and, and recommend the books that I, I encourage you to read. Amen. Elder DeCarlo, shall we have a closing prayer for this evening, please? Mm. Once again, Father, we thank you for everything you've done for us. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would please come and take our hearts and forgive us of our sins. Lord, today we've discussed a very important topic, liberty. 
really what does it mean to be free? And Lord, you created us free. And I pray in God that you will help us to understand freedom, civil, religious, and liberty of conscience, because that's really the root of all true freedom. It's one's conscience. And I pray, dear God, not only will you give us an understanding, but Lord, give us, I pray, the moral courage to defend the right to be free, not only for ourselves, but for, the, for others as well. So bless us and keep us now, we pray. We thank you for everything you've ever done. And bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Elder DiCardo, thank you for joining us on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. Listeners, if you have any questions or if you would like more information, please send an email to inquiries at wildernesspublications.org or you can send a text message to 7944 If you live in the United Kingdom, please contact us with your name and address and we will send you a free tract called The Author of Liberty. If you have the Android app for Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio, go to the ebook section, then find the title Bible Readings for the Home. Between chapters 97 to 99, you will find the subjects The Author of Liberty, The Powers That Be, and The Union of Church and State. These chapters will give you more information about today's topic. You can also listen to and download our Radio Show podcasts at https colon forward slash forward slash voice dash I for India and for November dash the for echo dash wilderness dot podcast page dot I O forward slash. On next week's show, we will discuss the question America, why a symbol of civil and religious liberty? Well, that's it for tonight's show. Until next week, good night and God bless. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages live down the This congregation may never be gathered together again. As we see Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week.